Live from the Haymarket Pub and Brewery in Chicago, Illinois, this is Bug House! right now uh, things were um, things are far more civilized in the mid 20th century not like they are now in the gross 21st century in the mid 20th century that's when people uh, they didn't they didn't need to ta- if they needed to tackle social important or important social or economic issues they didn't scream at each other online or, or cancel each other out if they disagreed with one another they stood in the middle of Washington Square Park and screamed their opinion to anyone with an earshot. It was popular among writers and artists, but in other thinkers, this form of debate was given a nickname called Bughouse Square. Bughouse being a derogatory term for, or a trigger, I guess, for, uh, for loony bin. Uh, but the big difference then and now is that we've lost the will and maybe the ability to debate with reason, which is why we're here tonight. Tonight we're debating three very important topics that have the power to change the way we celebrate one of our country's most beloved and looked forward to holidays, Yom Kippur. (laughs) (laughs) Or Halloween. So our topics tonight, the big important topics tonight. Number one, is is it cultural appropriation to dress up as the dead? Our second bout, ghosts. Are they real or just your delusion? (laughs) And our final bout tonight, vampires. Creepy creatures of the night or or dark lords of sexiness? (laughs) Now they will be debating, is it cultural appropriation to dress up as the dead? Sean is gonna say, no, it's an homage. Bill is going to argue that it's a killer offense, and Sean will be going first. The microphone is yours. All right. Brains, brains. I'm just gauging the audience reaction here, and I see that no one was offended by that. <laughs> so, cultural appropriation. It's a hot topic. It's a sensitive discussion, and we ought to give it some serious thought. But the dead, despite the inevitable protestations to the contrary by my opponent, is not applicable to cultural appropriation at all. I mean, if you think about it for just a minute, in the next couple of days and weeks, we're going to be inundated with lists from BuzzFeed and Bossip and... Huffington Post, any website really, where they list specific things that you should not do if you want to be respectful to other cultures. Uh, Examples of this would be wearing a do-rag on your head, or a Native American headdress if you're a white person, or using a wheelchair if you're able-bodied. But what you won't find on any of these lists, zombies. 
right? So as a cisgendered white man, one of six tonight, um, <laughs> they tried, they really did. Um, but what I have found that when discussing other cultural cultures, taking them seriously, it's best to let them do the speaking for themselves. You know, I can sit up here and talk my head off, but I think when it really comes down to it, we really need to get to the dead and what they think about it, right? So the other day I was burying alive a former coworker, and so while I was there, I just decided, let's get it straight from the source. Let's hear what the dead have to say about this, okay? Uh, if you'd like to roll tapes, please. Does anyone have an opinion on George Romero? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Sir, how do you feel about your other likeness being used as a Halloween costume? <laughs> Sir? <laughs> and there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> But I can see some of you, I know what you're thinking, that that's the work of a lot of really fancy Photoshop and high-tech editing and, you know, maybe right. So I decided that um, I'm going to really get to the bottom of this. I'm gonna ask a dead person what they think. So I'm just gonna get my conduit app up here. Okay. And Alexa, give me the ghost of Elvis Presley. Oh. oh my God, what's, what's happening? Oh. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in Chicago. Oh. Well, well, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, having me here, everybody. Uh, now, my good friend, Sean, seems to think that, uh, you know, Cultural appropriation does not apply to the dead, and you know I, I believe with him, and I believe him. And he was talking to me, and he, he had some pictures that were going to be uh, were, were going to be displayed up here uh, whenever that will happen. But you know, if you really want cultural appropriation, you got to look at my relationship with Rosetta Tharp, or rather, don't, and keep listening to my version of Hound Dog. <laughs> but uh, as you can see, there's a there's a tasteful and classy way to go about it. Uh, I mean, I mean, see, look at that right there. Look at that. Dead Elvis and dead Priscilla. <laughs> now, let me tell you, that was a first place costume, is what Sean tells me. And I think that's funny. I think that's creative. I think that shows real ingenuity and a respect for my legacy. And by purchasing my outfit, that's putting money in, uh, in Priscilla's hands and, and Lisa Marie. And when you dress up like any other dead person, well, all you're really doing is preserving their memory. And that's what I'm saying. So again, thank you. Th thank you very much for having me here. <laughs> so you can, th that's Conduit app is on the latest iOS update, so. It'll kill your battery, but it's well worth it. I'm gonna leave with one final thought for the night. That one thing that all races creeds, genders, sexualities, what we all have in common is that we're all gonna die one day. All of us. 
Death is the thing that unites us all. So by dressing as the dead, we're appropriating ourselves. And you can't do that at all. Thank you, and God bless. Sean Riley and Elvis Presley. Let's hear it one more time. And now the other side of the coin, Bill Gorgo. Thank you. Many years ago, I, uh, I took a job as a religion teacher, which was embarrassing and, and made me feel a little dishonest, but <laughs> then I remembered taking a, a sex and marriage class from a priest, so it kind of worked out on balance. Uh, nevertheless, I, I stayed away from the, the heavily uh, theological and doctrinaire and drifted toward the more philosophical historical, which is how I wound up teaching a class in world mythology. And I mention that because in teaching that class, I, I accumulated quite a library of books on the subject. And I want to point something out that you may not realize. If you go to the bookstore to find a book on mythology, it won't be in the religion section. The religion books are, are protected in their little enclave, surrounded by re uh, reference works, and study guides and cookbooks for some reason, very safe. Uh, mythology is at the other side of the bookstore in kind of a dead-end corner with poetry and astrology. There might be a book on, on hypnotism if you look closely. And there's a reason for that. Bookstore owners don't want people of faith coming into a store and having to confront, when looking for a book about religion, confront the fact that religions die. That's what mythology is. It's a dead religion, a religion that the, the people who celebrated that faith no longer exist in this time and place. Religions die, but the people who had those religions and are now dead, those are still their religions. I think the first hurdle in accepting the fact that, that dressing as the dead is cultural appropriation is realizing that the dead have a culture. They have a culture like they have a religion, the one that they passed on with, the one they took with them to the grave, just as we will when we go. Otherwise, how do you explain religious cemeteries and the rules that they have for burying bodies there? The dead own their culture, just as the living do. They just don't contribute to its development very much. The Romans still have a culture. The Greeks still have a culture. The Incans, the Mayans, they all have a culture. Shakespeare's Hamlet will always be Shakespeare's Hamlet, even if it's in the public domain. Michelangelo's David will always be Michelangelo's and not yours. The dead have ownership, and we understand that in a very deep way, because that's our plan for our future, too. That's the first hurdle. The second hurdle, I think, is when you hear the phrase, dress up like the dead, I'm guessing that you do the same thing I did the first time, that Sean did. You imagine someone dressing in the processes of death, right? Zombies, for instance, who aren't dead, as far as I know, they're the living dead. That's pretty much their <laughs> claim to fame. That's not the dead. That's the processes of death. Maybe you picture someone all white, like Elvis, or green, or purple, if you go for the hangman look, you know? 
How about their clothes, tattered, a shroud? Maybe you went full mummy, right? Or, or maybe you even went further into decomposition and found a skeleton outfit. Or totally incorporeal, just threw a sheet over your head and suggested energy underneath. But let me ask you this, picture your dead. Picture your dead grandmother, grandfather, parents perhaps. Picture your friends and family who've died. You don't picture them moldering, do you? You picture them in, your, in their glory. You picture them loved because you love them, right? That's the way you hope to be pictured by the people who follow you. I think that's a normal human thing. And we respect the culture of our dead because it's our culture. They bequeathed it to us. We know when we've broken faith with that culture that we worry about them. Everyone in here has said the phrase at some point in their life, spinning in their grave, in reference to their relatives who would have been upset by something you've done. My father would be spinning in his grave if he ever saw me in a cub's hand. My mother would spin in her grave if I ever put oregano in the spaghetti sauce. They were a strange people. <laughs> Why can we respect our relatives spinning in their graves and not the relatives of others? Not the distant dead. Does their spinning not matter? I think the third hurdle is the scariest one. The third hurdle we face in, in accepting this proposition is something that seems to be infecting our country. That is, that a crime isn't a crime until someone complains, you are arrested and convicted. Until those three things happen, it's just an opportunity gone perhaps a little wrong. Don't we think of, of cultural approbation and, and uh, appropriation and, and PC culture as the whining of the losers? And who's more of a loser than the dead? <laughs> I never said I was a good religion teacher, but I do remember this. There's such a thing as wrong. And there's such a thing as knowing something is wrong and doing it anyway. In my religion, they called that sin, and it really didn't require a complaint. All it required was that you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. I think disrespecting the dead of any culture is wrong. Can you get away in America with putting on blackface if you just told people you're dressed as Booker T. Washington? <laughs> Let's do the right thing. Let's respect the dead of all cultures this Halloween. That's the hardest hurdle all the time. Yeah. I just had to real quickly say that uh, it's not entirely true that we think of our Everyone thinks of their dead relatives and their glory. Every time I go to the cemetery, I have to fight a legitimate urge to not, like, dig up. Or, like, not actually, like, do it right then and there, but, like, think of a way to dig up my great-great-grandfather. Or even my great-grandfather. I just want to see what he looks like. He died in 81. Like, what kind of, what kind of decomposition is going on? And then, and then just to compare and contrast, for scientific purposes, dig up my grandfather, who died 10 years ago, 
and just see where he's at in the decomposition. Because then I wonder, like, well, with embalming and whatever else from 1981 to 2009, like, what's the difference? How good is one or the other? That's what I think about. So, um, anyway, next time I go to the cemetery, who wants to come with? Show of hands? Nobody? Yeah? One, two? Yep, cool. All right, I'll call you guys. It'll be fun. Um, all right, so, there were the arguments. Judge Elizabeth, do you have a ruling? I, I do, okay. um, and I feel like I should say something nice. I, I good job, both of you, beautiful job. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go with Sean as the winner. Woo! I very interesting argument, but I actually disagree with some some of your points. But so Sean wins. Okay, so cultural appropriation is is okay, or it's not cultural appropriation. It's right? not cultural I mean, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, there you go. So Sean Riley's the winner. There you go. are real or if there are delusions. Vincent is going to argue that g g g ghosts are real. And our is going to say, Neil's going to say that seeing a ghost isn't scary. It's pathetic. And Vincent's going first. Vincent Truman, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. You are my favorite six people. <laughs> Um, just by the nature of this thing, I'm going to open up with uh, three jokes I found on the internet. <laughs> Why do ju uh, ghosts like to ride in elevators? Because it raises their spirits. <laughs> Why are ghosts terrible liars? You can see right through them. <laughs> Why do ghosts go to bars? Uh, for the booze. Exactly. So ghosts, apparitions, spirits, for something so apparently easy to dismiss, <laughs> personal experiences or encounters of apparitions and ghosts and spirits go back through almost all recorded history, all cultures, all countries, all developments. Uh, the oldest one I found was first century AD, a Roman statesman by the name of Pliny, I believe, P-L-I-N-Y, wrote of a specter in his house in Athens of an old man with a beard with chains that would haunt him. 856 AD, otherwise known as 856 AD, the first poltergeist, which is not just a ghost, is like, but actually like does shit. <laughs> was recorded in Germany, and this poltergeist apparently like tormented this family, this farm family in Germany, throwing rocks, starting fires, and the like. You come a little bit farther, uh, Benjamin Franklin has been seen near the library of the American Philosophical Society in Philadelphia. Abraham Lincoln has been recorded wandering around Springfield and his old law office and Washington, D.C where he has been cited by First Ladies, Queens, and Prime Ministers, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> In the fields around Gettysburg, and uh, I have some personal feelings about this as well, if you go out into the fields, chances are you will see people about half the time they're not there, they're not actual people, but just like specters walking around. 
There are famous ones, of course, but it takes very little digging to find encounters in our friends and family. If you just ask around, somebody's got some weird ass story. Uh, personally speaking, uh, when I was about 12, 13, my mother, sister, and I lived in an apartment, and we had this thing which we called Mr. Walker, because apparently he would walk through the apartment. And we'd hear him, and we have an odd sense of humor, so we called him Mr. Walker. I don't know if it pissed him off or not. Um, I never saw this guy or this image or whatever, but I do remember getting up in December and being unable to fully explain uh, right inside the little screen door uh, it had been snowing out there was like this big boot print and there were no people with boots or big boots in my house. So if you just dig around like ask a couple people you'll find stories like this. Um, perhaps the most famous ghost of all. Side note, how did Casper die? I was just thinking about that today. I'm thinking it was probably horrific death. And I don't know why. I think he hang out with all those mobster ghosts and he was like in crossfire, but that's, that's totally tangential. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm a friendly ghost. But the, perhaps the most famous ghost of all is for anyone who entertains, um, what do they call it, Christianity. Uh, it is not the father, the son, and the chartered public accountant, right? It's not the, the father, son, and the holy administrative assistant. It's the Holy Ghost. It's a spirit. There's a great movie called Greaser's Palace, done in 1971 by Robert Downey Sr. Uh, don't watch it, but it does have a scene between God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is like, you don't know what I do because you never give me the chance. It's a great scene, <laughs> and it's true. So consider that, but also consider this. On the color spectrum, this is going to get a little scientific. On the color spectrum, that is all colors everywhere, including gamma rays, radio waves, microwaves, x-rays, infrared, ultraviolet, etc. Humans can perceive, what, 10%? You're really close if you guessed that, 0.0035%. That's what we can see. On the auditory scale, which sounds go from infrasounds, which is zero hertz, to I think it's ultrasounds, which is 160,000 hertz, we can hear between 20 and 20,000 hertz. There's a lot that we don't see. So it is not outside the realm to consider that human spirits or souls, which can manifest themselves in a, in a way that is vaguely perceived, operate on color and auditory platforms outside our ability to perceive. Indeed, this would explain how things like e EVPs, which is electronic, voice phenomena, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> how that can, they can record stuff and you hear nothing but you play it back and you do hear motion and sound and, and uh, voices. So because humans are electromagnetic in nature, it makes sense that producers of electromagneticity <laughs> can be recorded on <laughs> objects designed to recall those. 
Um, Alan Turing, a scientist and a computer theorist, once wrote this about paranormal phenomena. It would, quote, seem to deny all of our usual scientific ideas how we should like to discredit them. Unfortunately, the statistical evidence, which I've cited, is overwhelming. It is very difficult to rearrange one's ideas so it fits these new facts in. Once one has accepted them, it does not seem a very big step to believe in ghosts. So perhaps, like all things, we have very much to learn, and dismissing things that we don't know about is dangerous, and I'll leave you with this joke. Why did the rational ghost feel depressed? Because she didn't believe in herself. <laughs> Thank you. Vincent Truman there, and now the Connor argument, Neil Arsenti. So about a month ago, my brother Bill and I were on the phone with each other, and he asked me if I had ever seen the show Ancient Aliens. <laughs> and I said, I knew of it, but I didn't watch it. Because, and then he told me, I need, I need, I, you gotta check it out, because it brings up a lot of questions about our human existence that scientists have no explanation for. And I said, yeah, that's really interesting. Have you ever seen the show Ghost Adventures? And he laughed at me. That's right, the guy who believes in ancient creatures from outer space, that, that ancient creatures from outer space have been visiting Earth for millions of years, thinks that the idea of ghosts is a joke. Do you guys know Ghost Adventures? Have you seen that show? It's on Travel Channel? Yeah, yeah. There's, it's, it, breaking it down to, it's just four bros, four <laughs> bros, literally bros, going into haunted houses, Manifest yourself, getting all, these, getting all these devices, everything, and gathering evidence, and every episode is, is gathering evidence. And I love this show, I love this show. I, I, I admittedly, I just love this show. Now both, this, both these shows are based in pseudoscience, but Ancient Aliens, which airs on the History Channel, uh, and has only been airing since 2009 with a paltry 14 seasons and 163 episodes, while Ghost Adventures, which airs on the Travel Channel, has been on since 2008 and has had a colossal 18 seasons and has had 210 episodes, not including 47 specials that are basically recuts of previously aired episodes. How can one show that's been on for so long not be true? I mean, next thing you tell me that The Simpsons, a show that has been on relentlessly since 1989, is based in fiction, or Doctor Who isn't real, a show that has aired relentlessly for 56 years except for the relentful 16 years that it didn't air. I know, I know. If you have to second guess the science behind ghost hunting, you might as well second guess the science behind the roundness of the earth or the moon landing, or heaven forbid, heaven forbid, vaccinations. But like diehard fans of Rick and Morty, sometimes you gotta be an asshole who ruins everything. So here goes. I ain't afraid of no ghosts, 
because there ain't no ghosts. I want to believe, but I can't. But there's a reason Ghost Adventures doesn't air on the Science Channel. First of all, let's talk about ghosts themselves. Despite all we know about how the human body works and functions, how our brain and our life experiences shape who we are, we still believe that there is a soul or a spirit or whatever, for whatever reason, is trapped in a house or a building that the person died in or grew up in or they recorded a couple songs at, <laughs> or they visited twice. For some reason, this soul still has clothes on. Because the idea of seeing the spirit of someone's dead grandparent wasn't scary enough, seeing them in there, as my mom puts it, hoo-ha hanging out, <laughs> might just scare you to the netherworld yourself. Why would clothes survive? <laughs> and, and the soul still fits in those clothes, despite <laughs> projecting themselves across the spiritual plane. That, con that, that connects me to another question, by the way. Why don't we ever hear about fat spirits? <laughs> and all the, ghost spirit, all the ghost stories I've heard, and I can't think of one Ghost Adventures episode either, where there's, there are people getting haunted by a big fat guy who died of a heart attack. <laughs> anyway, there's no credible evidence of ghosts. But I know what you're saying, Neil, I've seen Ghost Adventures. There's tons, there's a shit ton of evidence on that show. But ghosts are problematic because their, ex their existence is impossible to falsify, which is the basis of scientific method. Some people claim to have experiences of ghosts and there's no testifiable scientific system to prove their experiences. The evidence that they gather can be used to conclude anything because the evidence is totally random. Let's look at some of the tools that they, this team of bros used to connect with the, with the spiritual plane. Different audio recorders are used to, to capture spirit voices or EVP, electronic voice phenomena. Sometimes when the ghost hunter is recording themselves asking questions to the spirits, they play back the recorder and hear unexplained voices. And these voices are almost always whispers because spirits either like to be extra creepy or they just like to treat the afterlife like it's a library. Let's just keep it a little quiet. <laughs> they do sound like voices, but sometimes the voices may be movements that sound like voices, like, <laughs> which could be your sleeve. <laughs> Remember that Yanny or Laurel thing a few, from a few years back? Some people heard Yanny and some people heard Laurel, even though the sound clip was exactly the same sound clip. And the, when the hunters hear the ghost saying, <laughs> they say, bro, it's just a demon. <laughs> Which I'm usually thinking, I think, it, I think it said lemon, or um, my shoes are untied, or I don't even know what the hell, bro, it's a demon. Or possibly it said, I don't know. <laughs> device which sweeps radio frequencies to generate white noise which allegedly gifts spirits the energy they need to be heard. And with this, when this occurs you sometimes hear voices or sounds coming through, these, through the static and attempt to communicate. And usually it's like <laughs> Bro, you said demon. <laughs> so you might hear quick words come out like like Dad, you know, oh, oh, dad, which would of course be interpreted as, bro, I think it's a dad, I think it's a, I think it's a dead, they're dead, 
They're saying the tag. When in fact, it's just playing half second of a radio commercial that's probably like, da 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 da, I'm loving it. That's probably all it is. It's just, I'm, I'm loving it. Anyway, oh man. I got, oh, I got so much more to say. There's Paranormal Puck 2, which uh, connects scientifically from spirits. Uh, for spirits to pick from 2,000 of the most common words in the English language to communicate. These words include mammoth, Sally's, shuttle, beckon, Elias, harmonic, vern, restoreth, density, quill, nana, banshee, tease, decompose, molecules. These are all words. Bro, it said nana. <laughs> maybe he misses his mom, or maybe he loves bananas. Do we really say 2,000 of these words? Are these the only words we're saying is nanas? In all these instances, the, for the results of the ghost hunters are usually skewed by the hunters themselves. For example, in the Ghost Adventures episode that just aired on Saturday, which I watched, <laughs> it was about H.H. Holmes, and the Puck 2 said soldiers was one of the words that came up. And, and Aaron, who was one of the bros, had, I shit you not, he said, soldiers, maybe it's his own demon army. Soldiers. Like, why would H.H. Holmes say soldiers? I don't know, that doesn't make sense. Uh, the biggest, it, well, I, I will say, the term, there's a term for this, and it's called pareidolia. Pareidolia, which is the tendency to interpret vague stimulus as something known to the observer, such as seeing shapes in clouds, seeing faces in inanimate objects, or, or patterns, or hearing hidden messages. That's all they're doing, it's just seeing these patterns. And if these devices were legit, how the hell would you be able to test them? There's no test ghost. There's no control ghost. These inventors aren't being like, okay, Gary, I need you to set off this advice to show me that it works. Nana, very good, Gary. <laughs> I don't have the answers, but maybe Bill Chappell, who the guy who's invented all these devices does. What does Bill say in a Popular Mechanics article in 2016? Bill says, I don't believe in ghosts or spirits. After hundreds of experiments, the, this unmistakable conclusion, it is us. We are the ghosts. This inventor of all these inventions doesn't believe in ghosts. So, I mean, there's, oh God. Should I continue? There's a little bit more. I'll wrap it up here. I'll wrap it up. Thank you. Um, what am I saying? I'm saying that people, what, am I saying that what people experience isn't real? Not at all. I believe a lot of people who say they have experience. My wife has a crazy ghost story. You should ask her after the show. It's, it's crazy. I can explain it. Um, I thought once, I once thought I saw the handle on our condo door, which moves only from the inside do this, and I could, you couldn't be open from the outside. I can't explain what I saw, but it probably wasn't a ghost. Because why would a fucking ghost just randomly start playing with my door? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. In conclusion, I don't believe in things that don't exist. <laughs> and Ghost Adventures is a great show and everyone should watch it. <laughs> Wait, wait, yeah, don't go yet. Sorry, I'm sorry. It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. The Honorable Elizabeth Harper, do you have your ruling? Uh, do you have any questions? 
No, I, okay. I, I do feel like I, I should say nice things. Um. You don't have to say anything. You can just go, the winner no, is. No, but but like, you do your like, thing. I want to yeah. like, show that I value the, the effort that went into the performances. So, uh, Vincent, uh, thank you for referencing Alan Turing. That was great. And then on the other side, uh, thank you so much for uh, talking about uh, false viability. That, that's great. Although, although you kind of ended your your uh, talk on, on what was basically like a tautology. I don't even think it's a tautology. Right. Sure, right. Right. It was, it was <laughs> dismissed. Should have heard the second half of his argument. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, uh, no nope. ghosts don't exist. Neil. Neil, Neil wins. So Neil, Neil Arsenko is the winner tonight. Okay, go. I'm a little nervous about this one because I'm afraid of public boners. <laughs> Don't be afraid. And Don't be afraid. <laughs> and it's not. It's not because. <laughs> And it's not because we're living in a time where that can get you arrested or ruin your career. It's because, what if my public boner isn't public enough? <laughs> like, what if I bring a short stack, you know, okay. So let's welcome this, let's just get this over with. Let's just pull out the mandate. Let's welcome this stage, Frank Lydon and Brian Sweeney to argue, are vampires creepy creatures of the night or dark lords of sexiness? Uh, Frank is going to say that they're creepy, and Brian is going to argue that, uh, that he gets really hard over the pale undead with fangs. <laughs> and Frank is going first. Frank Lydon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hello, um, I'm Frank, and uh, although it may not look like it, I'm a, a vampire. <laughs> first of all, uh, Thank you for uh, not running screaming out of the building, uh, or worse, uh, approaching me with heaving breasts and <laughs> breathily begging me to make you immortal. Uh, it sounds cliche, I, I know, but you wouldn't believe how often it actually happens. I never know what to say. Uh, also, thank you, David, uh, for, for uh, inviting me out tonight. And, and Don, Don out there in the desert. Hi, hi Don. Uh, I want to assure you all that uh, I, I fed right before I came out tonight. Uh, undonated blood. Uh, I didn't murder anyone tonight. Uh, and, and I'm strictly here to take part in this debate and not slaughter everyone in this room and drink and bathe in, in your blood. Um, though I've got to say it's been a while since uh, I felt a room full of pulses uh, quicken like that all at once. Oh, whew, man, really makes the old heart speed up. Uh, you're, you're all safe, you're, you're all safe. Um, anyway, uh, what, what I wanted to tell you is simple. Uh, uh, vampires are not sexy. Um, I mean, look at me. 
Uh, I'm, I'm wearing the clothes I died in. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm like a, I'm like a poor man's Michael Keaton with a beard, um, which, you know, technically is pretty cool because I'm, I mean, I'm a vampire, so I'm actually Batman. Except you know, when I'm a bat, I am, well, my complexion doesn't change, and I don't know if you know this, but bats are blind as fuck, and I still haven't figured out sonar. Uh, so one of the most common questions I'm asked by people is, is what's it like to live forever? And well, I'm boring and lonely. Um, mostly I just stay home and read uh, because I don't have many friends. Um, uh, you know, most vampires are self-centered assholes uh, and people are usually afraid, either afraid of me or, or they want me to marry or enslave them. <laughs> what is with that anyway? I, either we're violently mowing down the innocent or we're moping around the house because we can't go outside. <laughs> we never see the sun, so we all have seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> The older we get, the, the more hideous we become. We all go bald eventually. What's the attraction? I, I, I guess there are plenty of vampires who, who perpetuate this myth uh, that, that it's sexy to be uh, their slave or, or a mortal love and sex partner, but uh, uh, oh, I lost my place. <laughs> But they probably do that because it makes for easy victims. I mean, I suppose sex with a vampire might be great if you were alive long enough to enjoy it. I mean, we are undead superhumans. But I, so if we were having sex with you, it's probably out of bloodlust and we're probably fucking your floppy, decapitated corpse. <laughs> so, oh, my nails get in the way of these pages. So this fantasy that a vampire will passionately, lovingly, longingly stare into your eyes while fighting some eternal struggle before finally succumbing to the urge to feed on you and then poking two of the tiniest little holes in your neck while you loll your head back in pain and ecstasy and cream your jeans. It's just that, a, a fantasy. The, uh, what's actually going to happen if you even see us coming is you're going to scream in terror and run for your life before being viciously tackled to the ground and having a large portion of your flesh torn away. Uh, probably near an artery, so your blood flows more freely. You'll be terrified and in horrible, horrible pain until you feel your life force fade away as everything goes dark, quiet, and numb. Um, and you won't be creaming your jeans, you'll be shitting and pissing. 
Anyway, as for being made into a vampire afterward, this made, being made into a vampire afterward thing, honestly, it's, if that happens, it's purely by chance. Uh, I wouldn't have the first clue uh, to know how to make that happen on purpose. I mean, shit, I woke up in the middle of the woods with my femoral artery ripped open. I was weak and disoriented and confused and hungry, and I only had a vague memory being attacked. So, and there was no one waiting around to mentor me and teach me the ways of the vampire. I was on my own, and you would be too, even if, even if I was the one who made you, it's highly unlikely I would remember you. The hunger, the, 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 the need to feed overtakes and consumes, everything else falls away. After it's over, no one sticks around. I sure as hell don't. I get as far away from this thing as I can. I don't need some mob attacking me and throwing me into an incinerator. That happened to my friend Lance. Oh man, that guy got, that dumbass got way too cocky. Thought he could, was invincible and could take on a crowd of 50 armed people. I mean, he got a few of them, but the rest bound his ass up and roasted him in the industrial incinerator. I just shudder at the thought. The, the point is, my esteemed cohort here will incorrectly try to convince you otherwise that the vampires are not the gods of sexiness you want us to be. I, I mean, there are maybe better examples of vampires than me who you might be tempted to get close to, but think about it. You don't see antelopes trying to hook up with lions, okay? I mean, do you? It's, it's as simple as this. We're predators, you're prey, and if you get too close, we will fuck you up. <laughs> There's nothing sexy about that. Thank you. Count Frank Light. I don't know, are you a count? That's sure. <laughs> That's probably offensive, right? Like to assume that every vampire is a count because of Dracula? It's like not every facial tissue is a Kleenex. You fucking dicks. Yes. Right? All right, for the other side of the argument, let's hear from Brian Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, who here? likes to watch pornography when they masturbate. <laughs> that is two people. Uh, that's fine. That means you have active imagination. I assume everyone here masturbates. Yeah. Masturbate. Uh, now, we obviously have access to all types of pornography. Uh, all the porn that we want. There's so many, so many drawings of Sonic the Hedgehog having sex with Mario and Luigi while Garfield and Odie and look on while fingering Nermal. 
And whatever other type of disgusting variant of that scenario that you want. But before we all had to uh, use our phones to masturbate, we used our imaginations, the most powerful computer. And that was what we used for our sick, disgusting fantasies. Anything goes in our fantasies. There are no rules. Only our deep sense of shame. <laughs> After we get done shooting about six or seven cum ropes to our <laughs> depraved fantasies about anal sex with Janice from the Muppets, because you know she's up for anything, and you know it will be amazing. She's been a guitarist for Electric Mayhem since the 70s. She has done some shit. <laughs> Vampires were never really portrayed as anything sexual until Bella Lugosi, the ultimate, the archetype of what we think of as vampires came on and he was a powerful older European man with an impeccable suit. <laughs> he had supernatural charisma that makes you immediately down to fuck. <laughs> Much like myself. Sense of humor is the most powerful attribute. Now, before Bella Lugosi made Dracula into a smooth pimp daddy, the vampire, vampire, if you're an asshole, was more of a Ratman monster in the 1922 Germany film Nosferatu. The reason the vampire Count Orlock in that movie is so ugly and rat-like is that the character was representing Germany's post-World War I anti-Semitism and opinion about the Jewish people. That's the truth. Now, I would like to state for the record that I am against anti-Semitism, as well as the Holocaust perpetrated by the Nazis. I know Frank didn't give his opinion, one way or the other, about the Holocaust or the 11 million people that died. But I wanted to make it clear. <laughs> now, vampires really became ultra sexy with Anne Rice's interview with the vampire, especially the movie starring Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, talking young ass Thelma Louise California Brad Pitt. <laughs> which is like 10 years maybe before, uh, a couple years before Fight Club, which is still like peak pit. It's tough. He's like a, a tuxedo, never goes out of style. Um, like, yeah, like you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you're like, I would totally let this guy just destroy my guts. <laughs> it's an actual quote from David Himmel. Um, uh, <laughs> But it really just pushed to the surface the subtext of vampires. The subtext being, of course, that vampires are hot as fuck. Vampires moved on to being sexy with 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the angel with a soul. The vampire with a soul, angel, I'm sorry. He was angelus before he got a soul. And then, of course, Spike, which is a lady's choice, usually. And then Robert Pattinson ran through the forest while Kristen Stewart blankly looked on, made an entire generation of teen girls hit puberty across the world, leading to countless ruined movie theater seats. <laughs> now my distinguished opponent argues that these girls were wrong. He argues that young girls shouldn't be allowed to think for themselves. And again, Frank was very silent on this issue, but I would like to flat out state, I think Greta Thunberg is a brave, intelligent young lady. Now Frank is a vampire with very low self-esteem, so he argues, because of cognitive dissonance, that we're all bad. I mean, I'm sure he had tickets to the Joker on Friday night. This is the type. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Joaquin is great. But anyway, he was great in parenthood. Remember, he jacked off a lot. That was his thing. And Keanu Reeves was like, little dude got a boner. Anyway, he, was much, he thought he was some kind of freak. And I said, that's just what little dudes do. All right, it's a separate parenthood thing. <laughs> but there is a fine line between tall, dark, and handsome. And we can all admit this because we're just in here. We can admit, it's a fine line between tall, dark, and handsome and creep. Now, a vampire is a smooth, sexy, powerful, dark stranger with a charm so strong that it intoxicates. Now, what's sexy? The bad boys. Vampires are the ultimate bad boys. Now, what's sexy? Older men. Vampires are immortals that have decades or centuries of wisdom and experience, and they want to focus on you. Me? You really think my poetry in my notebook's good? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> What's sexy? Power. Vampire has literal and figurative power. What's sexy? Fear. This is a scientific fact. It's another weird thing that we don't like about the human condition, but Fear causes arousal, dumps a bunch of adrenaline into your system, the parts of your brain that govern sexual arousal are almost right next to all the ones that are triggered when you feel fear. Vampires are the ultimate sexual fantasy because you never know for sure if they aren't going to go full vampire <laughs> on you. You're not sure about this guy. Hmm, but I like the ride. But the word that is most important there is fantasy. See, here's the secret. Vampires are actually make-believe. Whatever you want to happen with them is controlled by you. If you find vampires creepy, that is because you created them to be creepy. Your brain was thinking of a weird sexual fantasy where a creep came in and you were like, oh, and then like you just go home with blue balls or... I don't know, what a blue clit? I don't know, what's that? Blue labia, I guess? Labium. No, that's labia. Eh, I don't know. We'll figure it out after this. 
Now, vampires, some vampires teach us to count on Sesame Street, some vampires sell us chocolate cereal. Vampires can be whatever we want them to be. Twilight's Edward Cullen, Buffy's Angel, or Marvel Comics' Blade are all heroes, heroic vampires. If you want vampires to be sexy so you can help bust a nut, that's up to you. <laughs> I think you should be allowed to be attracted to whomever, whatever you want, but that's my stance. He, of course, you know. He didn't give his opinion one way, but I trust you with your own sexuality. <laughs> the elasticity of vampires makes it so vampires can be all things to everyone. Now I would like everyone here, just very quick, to close their eyes. Now imagine having sex with a very hot vampire, like the sexiest vampire, your eyes aren't closed, the sexiest <laughs> vampire ever. Now imagine that vampire brings you to the height, the biggest orgasm you've ever had in your life. I mean, you're squirting everywhere. You need, you're gonna need squeegees. It's like the inside of a car wash. And you're doing that like weird thing that like women do when they have orgasms where they, it looks like they're trying to like crawl away and push the bed away and stuff. That's what you guys are doing. And trust me, I know what that looks like. <laughs> now, you ask the vampire to leave. Now imagine the vampire being very respectful and saying, well, thank you. And he tips his hat, or maybe he doesn't have a hat, whatever he has in your weird-ass fantasy. And he leaves. And then you stay home and pass out, just wrecked and destroyed. And then he texts you the next day and says, hey, I had a great time last night, and I hope we can do it again, but if you don't, that's fine. I won't keep texting you, I won't keep bothering you. I promise, I won't. I'm not like gonna friend you on Facebook or anything. Like, I'm respectful. I'm whatever you want me to be. And you just sit there on your amazingly comfortable couch in your fantasy, the Hawaiian breeze just coming in, sipping a Mai Tai or whatever. There. Now, was that creepy? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's Frank Sweeney and his tongue ropes. Okay. Uh, okay. Judge Elizabeth, what do you okay, think? Okay, I have a question. Uh, do I have the option to say that it's a tie because it's a false dichotomy that vampires can be both creepy and sexy? Is that an option? <laughs> I mean, you can do whatever you want to do because you're the judge. You have absolute power tonight. Okay. So if you want to call it a tie because okay. of the okay. false dichotomy, okay. we can, <laughs> okay, well, we can I'll, call it a tie. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll think this out, out loud. Um, okay. Yeah, right. So, so I, I, you know, before it started, I was all ready to go with, yeah, of course vampires are sexy. But Frank did such a good job. <laughs> it is so funny. I thought, oh, well, now I understand the creepy side. <laughs> so Frank creeped you out enough. <laughs> but like creepy in like sort of like a lovable way and like, oh, I want to take, home, take you home and, and build up your self-esteem or something. <laughs> oh I my god! <laughs> Frank, Frank, she's in love with you. She wants to fix you. <laughs> Project, yeah. Um, but then, um... Gets old fast. <laughs> Uh, but, but who made the better argument? Who actually made the better argument? 
Well, I have. I mean, that's the whole point of why we're here. Okay. Today. All right. Okay. Make a better argument. Wow. Uh, okay. I'm gonna go. Do I? Have, I have to choose. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is weird because, like, I like I gave you all the power. All right, there you go. They both won then. Okay, so <laughs> vampires, depending on which vampire it is or what gets you off, is can be both sexy and really fucking good. Let's give it up for all of our performers, Drill and Neil and Vincent and Brian and Frank and Sean. Thank you all for coming out tonight. That is Bug House. My name is David Himmel. Check out literate.com. And, uh, oh, sorry. Have a happy Halloween. Have a regretful Yom Kippur. We'll see you next month. Thank you very much.